Hello and welcome to the Revision Hub. If you're new here, don't worry, we are too. We are sixth form students who want to help people out in lockdown and beyond that. All we want to help you to do is make learning simpler and give you the skills that you need to succeed in your exams. Don't forget to stay tuned by following us as we'll be releasing new episodes every Thursday. In this episode, we're going to be discussing physics. In particular, density, specific heat capacity, specific latent heat, the atom, and pressure. We'll also include time references, so you can skip between different topics if you need. So just sit back, relax, and enjoy learning. Firstly, you'll be learning about density. As one of the topics you'll cover earliest in the course, it can initially seem daunting. However, in reality, it is just a way of expressing how compact a substance is, or the amount of mass in a volume. Remembering this will also aid you in remembering the equation. Density equals mass over volume. It usually has the units grams per centimetre cubed, or kilograms per metre cubed. By changing only the mass, or only the volume, you can change the density. Reducing the mass whilst keeping the volume constant will decrease the density, but increasing the mass whilst keeping the volume constant will increase the density. If an object has a lower average density than, the flu than a fluid it is in, then it will float because the object can displace the fluid before it sinks. When the fluid is displaced, it wants to move back to its original position. This causes an upwards force called upthrust. If the upthrust is balanced with the weight of the object, then the object will float, which is why a sponge floats on water. The liquid pressure at a given depth is equal to the density of a liquid multiplied by gravity times the height of the column of liquid above it. The pressure is what causes upward thrust, which I just mentioned. The pressure due to a column of liquid is measured in pascals, which is the unit for most pressure. The second topic we'll be talking about in this podcast is particle theory, and at GCSE level there are three states of matter, each with their own sets of properties, solids, liquids and gases. Solids have strong forces of attraction between particles, which holds them in a fixed, regular arrangement. As the particles don't have much kinetic energy, they can only vibrate around fixed positions. In liquid form, these forces of attraction are slightly weaker. However, while particles are still closely packed, they can move past each other, which results in an irregular arrangement. They have more kinetic energy in their stores than solids, and particles move in random directions at low speed. Gases have very weak forces of attraction between the particles, and this is combined with more kinetic energy in stores, meaning that particles are free to travel in random directions at high speeds. When you heat a substance, the energy is transferred to the kinetic energy stores of particles, which causes them to vibrate at a higher frequency until a change of state occurs. This results in a graph of temperature as an object is heated with an interesting shape as the temperature will increase at a steady rate as heat is applied and at a change of state the graph plateaus as energy is used to break into molecular bonds in reverse freezing and condensing this energy is used in the formation of bonds density is linked to state however the mass doesn't change when there is a changed state 
Assuming that you're working with a closed system, this is logical, as the mass of a substance is the mass of the particles it contains, and a change of state is merely a rearrangement of these particles, as no particles can enter or escape. As a general rule, the volume taken up by a solid is less than a liquid, and the volume which a liquid takes up is less than the equivalent gas, with one exception of this rule being water and ice. As density is mass divided by volume, the density must also change if the volume is changing. Specific heat capacity relates temperature. Energy and the energy stored by a substance related to its change in temperature by its specific heat capacity. Specific heat capacity is a key concept to get your head around and it is the energy required to raise the temperature of one kilogram of substance by one degree Celsius. Change in thermal energy measured in joules equals the mass of the substance in kilograms multiplied by the specific heat capacity and the change of temperature in degrees Celsius. Before you start a calculation, it's important to convert each of these into the correct units as this is an easily avoidable way to lose marks in an exam question. The specific latent heat of a change of state for a substance is the change of energy in its thermal energy store when one kilogram of a substance changes state. The specific latent heat for changing between a solid and liquid is called the latent heat of fusion and between liquid and gas is the latent heat of vaporization. Thermal energy for a change of state measured in joules equals mass in kilograms multiplied by specific latent heat measured in joules per kilogram. Similarly to specific heat capacity calculations ensure that you've converted to the correct units. Finally we have the atom. Although an atom is 1 times 10 to the negative 10 in diameter, a very small portion of the overall area is taken up by the nucleus, which is where the whole mass of the atom is concentrated. This is because the nuclear radius is around 10,000 times smaller than the atomic radius. Both protons and neutrons have a mass of 1. Protons have a charge of positive 1, and neutrons have a charge of 0. In comparison, the relative mass of an electron is 0.0005 with a relative charge of negative 1. So, we all know an atom has protons, neutrons and electrons, but you also need to know who discovered them and who came up with the particle models. So remember... Hello ladies, no larky, no larky. Single man, reveal yourself! First, we have Dalton from Cumberland. He thought all the atoms in an element are the same and that every element had different atoms. His idea of a model for the atom was a small, indestructible ball, which is why many refer to his model as the billiard ball model. Then came J.J. Thompson from Manchester, my hometown. He wasn't studying the atom, but through his measurements of mass and charge, he discovered the electron and found that atoms have no overall charge. So he came up with the plum pudding model. Thompson thought the atom had a positive mass, with negative electrons dispersed within it. However, Thomson didn't know that if this positive mass was solid or a cloud. Next is Rutherford from New Zealand. In our experience, he turned up the most, especially his experiment. 
which is called the gold foil experiment. Rutherford fired alpha particles at a gold foil and, based on the plum pudding model, he and his students expected most of the particles to pass straight through or only be slightly defected. In reality, his results did not support Thomson's plum pudding model, as some alpha particles got deflected more than they'd expect, and some were deflected back the way they came. As a result, Rutherford concluded that the centre was a positively charged nucleus, which makes most of the mass, which is surrounded by a cloud of electrons, the nuclear atom. The final man is Niels Bohr, from Denmark. He said electrons can only exist in fixed orbits at different energy levels, which are usually referred to as electron shells. The Bohr model is similar to the model that we use today. The final topic we'll be talking about in this episode is pressure. The definition of pressure is the amount of force within an area, which means it's relatively simple to remember the equation. Pressure is equal to force divided by area. You remember when I talked about particle theory earlier on in this episode? Well, that tells us that matter is made up of small particles which are constantly moving in random direction. Sometimes they will collide with things that get in their way, including themselves, and more importantly for this, the walls of a container. Although each particle is small, they still have a mass, and this mass creates a net force on the inside of a container, therefore creating pressure. Here are some factors that affect pressure. The more particles there are in a given volume, so the higher the chance there is a particle will collide with the container. Changing the temperature changes the pressure because if the container is sealed and has a fixed volume and you heat it, then this heat energy is transferred to the kinetic energy stores of the particles, which means that they move faster and collide with the walls of the container with a high frequency and increased force. This results in an overall increased net force and therefore a higher pressure. Conversely, reducing the temperature reduces the kinetic energy stores of the particles in the container, which results in a reduced pressure. Pressure multiplied by volume is a constant, so reducing the volume increases the pressure because the particles are more tightly packed and collisions are therefore more frequent. On the other hand, increasing the volume means that there are fewer collisions between the gas particles and container walls. Gas particles colliding with the inside of a container produces a net force at a right angle to the wall of the container. This can result in a change in volume because if the pressure on the inside wall of the container is greater than that on the outside wall, then the container will expand increasing the volume. This is why your balloon expands as you blow it up. On the other hand, if the pressure on the outside is greater than that on the inside wall of the container, then the volume will decrease. This change in volume occurs until the pressure on the inside wall is equal to that on the outside wall of the container, also known as equilibrium. To understand these concepts and to answer questions in an exam, we will recommend using P1 V1 equals P2 V2, where P stands for pressure and V stands for volume. Because as long as you're consistent with units on each side of the equation, then any unit for pressure or volume can be used. The last thing you need to know for this episode is the weight of air above us in the atmosphere creates atmospheric pressure. 
at sea level, the atmospheric pressure is greater than if you climbed a mountain because you are at a lower elevation and you therefore have a greater quantity of air above you, which compresses the air below it, resulting in a higher atmospheric pressure. For example, the atmospheric pressure at sea level is 100,000 pascals, which is the unit for pressure, whereas at the top of Mount Everest, this decreases to a third of this level, 33,000 pascals. So, that's it. Thanks for listening. We really hope you enjoyed and appreciated it. So remember, to follow us, to be the first to know about our latest episodes. In the next episode, we'll be discussing Newton's Law, moments, motion and energy, among other topics. So we look forward to seeing you then. And once again, thanks for listening.